Lord have mercy, look at how the time And welcome everybody to the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your humble host, John Allen, and today I have a musician friend of mine by the name of Frederick Wallman coming at you from Oslo, Norway. Hi, Frederick. Hi, John. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here in Norway. You had your morning coffee? I've had two morning coffees, so oh, I'm, I'm good it, to go. <laughs> it one up to me, then. I've only had one cup, so... <laughs> well, I, I had cut down. Uh, my, now, my wife got me hooked on coffee. As, as you know, as a Norwegian yourself, Norwegians drink a lot of coffee. We do, we do. And then my wife is a northern Norwegian. She's uh, Samisk, and they drink uh-huh. twice as much coffee <laughs> as the yeah. rest of Norway. So she got me hooked on cappuccino, but... Uh, you know, I'm trying to take, trying to take care of my body and you know all that milk and sugar. So now I'm going back to regular black coffee. Black coffee—that's my go-to as well. <laughs> that's the only thing I drink. There Wherever go. I go, if we're at the coffee place somewhere, I'm I'm always going for the same thing, and that's just straight black coffee. I'm trying to get my wife to to get away from the cappuccino. I like I always tell her, you you like your man strong and black. That's how your coffee should <laughs> be as well. So. We'll see if we get her there. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> now, I introduced you as a, as a uh, musician, and what a musician you are. These people are going to be hearing in not too long, you're going to be releasing a single. Uh, My first the debut single. Your debut single. And I, and I want to say, uh, before you've even released it, I want to say congratulations. Uh, you. You, you sent me that song last night, and I was impressed. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy with it. It's it's turned out great, I think. Tell people the name of your single. It's called Feels Like. For the longest time, I, I wanted to call it Feels Like to Love, but it's it's too long, and I think I think Feels Like is more snappy, and it's... Yeah, I agree. It's better to introduce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of gets right to the point, and yet it leaves the listener wondering, okay, feels like what? What is it that feels like something? So that's, yeah. a, good, uh, that's a good title there. Um, are you the only instrumentalist on that single, or do you have other musicians playing with you? No, I, I've made this track with a producer um, called Håvar Haugland. Um, yeah, and that, that song would not sound anywhere the same if if he hadn't produced it because he i i wrote the the guitar part so what i do is i just play music um with me and my acoustic guitar right yeah um, so all the drum patter, patterns all the electric guitar is is added by him okay um, but of course i was involved with i, I knew how i wanted it to sound and he knew how to make it sound like that. Yeah, um, well, well, a good producer is going to let you keep control of the direction of the music. Some producers step in and they just take over and all of a sudden it's no longer the artist's song. But no, and, and, and for me with, with this being my first yeah. single, I hadn't been in the studio much prior to this. So I was kind of like, okay... I, I didn't know what I could do or where my limits were, what I could say to him. But we just found like a really good tone from the start where 
um, if you had any ideas to add to the song, yeah, we'll just throw it out there, and then if it was a bad idea, we'll just tell each other. Yeah, you'll feel it right away. You'll hear it right away if it's not a good idea. But yeah. um, but uh, so so it sounds like you got in touch with a producer who is going to support you in your vision for the music. Yes, that's important. He's, yeah, and he's he's really great to work with. He's um um he made some very good songs, and he's taking very good care of me because that's kind of the part of the music world where I haven't had any experience from before writing songs and playing live i do all the time but being in studio is another it's another thing because you need to focus on yeah stuff that i don't focus on when i'm when i'm on stage or i'm just writing at home yeah you know yeah in the studio of course you're going to have to listen to you know the, yeah down on the 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 the, the basic level of details about mm -hmm. production you know um uh, balance between the instruments and whatnot. As you said, you are an artist who is usually on stage by yourself with your acoustic guitar, and that's yeah. not too much to think about. You just plug in your <laughs> acoustic guitar and play away. And and at some point, it's just muscle memory. When I go on stage and I play the songs that I've played before, I'm 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 not really thinking. It's kind of meditation for me when I'm on the stage because. That's the only part of the day where I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just doing the music. And it, I mean, yeah, playing the guitar and singing, it's kind of like I've done it before. Yeah. It's, 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 it's cool. It's fun. But I saw you in Oslo at, uh, at uh, Café Mir, mm -hmm. at Steinar's Open Mic. Uh, that was a fun evening, by the way. But that's the first... Uh, that's the first time I saw you play, and you you just you looked so comfortable. I'm like, this guy is this guy's a pro. This guy has experience at this. <laughs> you were so laid I'm back. And, pro, yeah, no, but I I want to be laid back on stage. Yeah, I wanted to yeah. feel like I'm just one of everyone else, and then because I am, and especially at that place where a lot of the people in the audience is also going on stage. It's kind of like just sharing what you've made, and yeah, it's it's a really good atmosphere down there, and I I really like that place. You know, I and that was me. that was my first time ever doing an open mic. Uh, mm -hmm. I did my stand up uh, there. I want to come back and do some music there as well, but yeah. I I kind of had um, the wrong impression of what that was going to be like. When I think open mic, I think of a crowd that is very skeptical, a, a crowd that is very judgmental. Like, okay, new guy, show us what you've got. But it wasn't, <laughs> but it wasn't it, like that at it all. It can they, be, it can be. Okay. But yeah. there, they, I, never, I never experienced it there, but I've done, so I guess, I guess I'll tell you about my 2019 where I did 170 open mics. 170 open mics. 170. So I, my point with it was just to get as much experience playing live and meeting people and networking, you know, the whole thing um, wow. as, as possible. So I, I did every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I did three different open mics in Oslo. And then I got to meet people through those gigs. 
um, wow. took me to other places. So I played um, the 20th anniversary of, of this cool place in downtown Oslo called Uhurt. Yes. Uh, I wanted yeah. to play there, which was really cool. Um, yeah, I played yeah all over all over Oslo. Not not the big venues yet. Um, well, but a hundred and seventy a hundred and seventy open mic gigs. That's a, that's a guy that's focused and determined. See now, already I know why I liked you from the get go. <laughs> I love seeing people who have a vision and who take the necessary steps to fulfilling that vision. So. You could, when, when you were doing these 170 open mic nights uh, in the course of 2019, was that with a goal, a specific goal in mind? Were you warming up, so to speak, in order to get into the studio and do this single? What was, what was the purpose of 2019 for you? Well, the purpose, I mean, I think if, if you're... The purpose was to get experience and to build a network because I think if I, I if I were to go on Idol or X Factor or any of those shows, um, I would have to prove myself really badly. And then sure, sure. If it if it went somewhere, if let's say let's say you go on Idol and you win, uh, after that, most of the people just fade away. Most of them fade away. They disappear. They disappear. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think that will happen. Hopefully, if you go through that whole the circle of gigging and then writing as you progress. And yeah, I, I, the point for me is just to be the best musician that I can be. So that's what you were try. thinking. So that's what you were thinking with all of these open mic gigs was that this is your this is your training ground so that you can be the best musician uh, uh, possible. It's yeah, this is my education. I, d I didn't want to go to a music school because my my goal with going to music school would be playing live for people. Yeah. But I can just go outside and do it. And just I live do it, yeah. Central Oslo, so I can just go out. It's the place we're talking about me is five minutes from, from where I live. Yeah. And yeah. It's a short I walk did. to school. <laughs> It's a short. You don't. You don't school, need a bus to go to school. <laughs> no, I don't even need one of those scooters. I can just walk. <laughs> that's uh, that. That's amazing. That is. Um, I. I think unfortunately, it is a rare thing to see people with that level of dedication, because you know, think about this: when you do, when you're doing an open mic, you're not getting paid. So no. that's so that's a hundred and seventy nights where you went out and worked on your craft which is music and you got nothing in your hand as far as money or as far as anything to support you but what you no. were getting was experience and you yeah. saw and you saw the value in that I, I mean i think the value of experience um i think is kind of underrated because uh, you need an education now to get a good job or a, a high-paying job, maybe. In general, yeah. Very good, very good at what you do. Yeah, there's some um, people who go into business for themselves and they do quite well without that of, deep yeah, education. Yeah. But that's kind of the rarity. Have, that's kind of the rarity here in Norway. Mm. It doesn't happen that often. No, and like everyone I know, every... 
every one of my friends are doing like they go into university and yeah doing all that which is fine it's cool sure, if you want sure. to do that um yeah but i i learn better by doing than by reading and yeah, see, when, I, I knew when I, i'm a musician i'm i'm i'm, I'm rather going out playing and writing right. and doing my thing than sitting down and, and reading a book about 1800 musicians yeah. which i don't care about yeah yeah i remember when i was in college now this is many years ago i don't even know if you were born then how old are you i was born in 1996 i'm 23 Good God. Yeah, this was before you were born. I was in college, <laughs> and, I, and I took a music theory class, and I dropped that class after three weeks. It was the most boring, ridiculous class I ever took, and mm -hmm. that kind of, I kind of closed the door on any formal education for music at that point. It just, I just didn't see, I, you know, it, it kind of told me what you said, I would, I'll do better just doing it. Yeah. rather than sitting at school and trying to learn it. I'll, I'll learn it as I do it. But to be fair, though, doing music in school was what got me into it. But that was kind of like the, I mean, in fifth grade where we had guitar practice. And my, my teacher was just a really cool guy. Um, and he told us how to play the guitar. Okay. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I loved it. So I, so I asked for a guitar for my birthday and then I got it, and then yeah, I was just hooked. Yeah. So so it has something to do with school, but not on a higher level. I, I got so, interested. Yeah. I also got interested in music in my school years. I was in first grade, uh, so I was six, maybe seven years old, probably six years old. I'm going to say, <laughs> in uh, first grade, and uh, we had a music teacher. Her name was Miss Ivy. She was this beautiful, as I remember her, beautiful. Uh, brown-skinned woman, and she had like those old-fashioned uh, cat glasses that they used to wear in the '60s. And I remember we were sitting there singing some song, and she and she came up to me afterwards and told me I need to keep singing because I had a good voice. And that yeah. right there was all I needed. I just needed the support from that one adult in my childhood yeah. years to put the idea in my head that music can be fun and it can be something that I can do. Yeah, and it's. I mean, why not go for that opportunity sure. when you, when you, when you, yeah, I just, um, I'm struggling to find the words, but I'm, I don't see a reason not to do it. If it's something you really, really enjoy doing and you know, you're good at it. I mean, there's a reason why you have a podcast and there's a reason why you do music because you know, you can have an interesting conversation that other people would like to listen to you can make music that other people uh would like to listen to and why not do it not for only only for you but for other people well you know i consider myself very fortunate it's a blessing that i am able to do these things that i enjoy doing you know i have uh, i have my music i write for other musicians and i'm doing this podcast and i do stand up and to be able to have four I don't know, some people would call them hobbies. <laughs> I, I, I don't like that word hobby because hobby is something that you don't take very seriously. I take these things seriously, but at the same time I have yeah. fun with it and I'm very fortunate to be in this situation. You know, you are taking advantage of your talent. You're fortunate uh, to be in your situation. Um, I'd like to see more people 
do these things that they that they enjoy. The the worst thing I can hear a person say is when they start talking about how much they hate their job, and yeah. they're at that job. You know, here in Norway, thirty seven point five hours a week. So that's thirty seven point five hours of misery. Yeah, are you really happy? I know, I know people take jobs that they don't like because it will make them more money. And sometimes you have to do that, you know, if you have responsibilities. But, but I think, I guess if you start in your younger years, you know, like you are, you're starting with this now already, uh, and and you will, you know, as you become more successful in music and as you get paying gigs, you will adjust your lifestyle to that income. And that's completely yeah. different than being, you know, 45 years old, you're having a midlife crisis and before you just play guitar as a hobby and now you want to try and make a living. I'm going to be a musician. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's a little it's, bit uh, more difficult. <laughs> yeah. But I do, I do go every Monday, not now, though, unfortunately, but every Monday I go to a bar called, uh, Cafe Cesar. Um, and, uh, there, there, there is a night called "One from the Heart," where you can go up and you have you're only allowed to play your own songs. Aha! Uh-huh. And um, there are some people there um, which are really, really great musicians. Yeah. Uh, and some of them, I mean, it's from seventeen to everything from seventeen year olds to eighty year olds come there to play. Uh-huh. And um, we, we we're all like a connected group. So right, right. I would never have guessed when I moved to Oslo four years ago that one of my good friends would be a guy uh, that's seventy. <laughs> so it's connecting us. Like, yeah, you know, they've done music for a long time, but just now when they're reaching this part of their life, they're starting to release music and actually going into the studio and doing it properly. Which I think is cool. Like I mean, you've got the time, you've got the money to pay for the studio and everything, and why not? Why not just why not? do it? Yeah, just do yeah. it. Fulfill that dream. Yeah, and even if it doesn't go anywhere, I mean, uh, for well, me, I'm, I'm going. I'm either way how this is turning out. I'm going to look back at this time of my life and and have no regrets. And, and that's the best way to feel, you know, <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you release a single. I, I can speak for myself when I release a single <clears throat> or if I've been on a writing project and written for another band and they release an album, that feeling of finally having your project out there, whether it's <clears throat> a single or a whole album, that feeling of having that project out there for people to listen to is so fulfilling. And at that point, I consider it mission accomplished. Yeah. Regard, you know, that's before any sales, before any downloads, before any shows to play live. Uh, I, I win. I've won already the very minute that that song is given out mm-hmm. or that album is given out. So when, you're, when your single drops, just get ready for that, yeah, that, <laughs> that big feeling, that, that overwhelming feeling of accomplishment. It's going to be like just building my portfolio is also one of the things that I'm, I'm really, yeah. uh, it's, it's a big part of being a musician. So just starting out now, okay, 
I'm releasing a song onto all the streaming platforms and yeah, it'll be available everywhere. iTunes or um, what do you call that now? Apple Music, Spotify, Apple Music, Spotify YouTube. Yeah, everywhere, yeah. everywhere. Okay. I, I haven't thought about like title and those uh, those streaming. Well, what platform. digital what digital distribution are you using? Are you using Indigo Boom? Are you using? I'm using. Um, Let's see. I'm, 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 I have some some great people which I've met throughout these couple years that are helping me a lot with the distribution and making the cover art and everything. So yeah. I was told that this record union is what I'm using. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they have the connections to get everything spread out there on the on the the, the distribution and 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 whatnot. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you, you have to get contact with some of the? I mean, some labels if they're interested mm. with the distribution. I'm not sure if, even if they were to give me an uh, an offer, I'm I'm not sure if I would take it. But it's like cool to just throw it out there and yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Why? What are your thoughts on that? Why would you? Why would you? Or why would you not take a record deal or a distribution deal? What are your thoughts on that? For the first single, I think it would be cool to... that. That's just me. That's just my song that I made. And I did everything. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it will change uh, as I release more music. But this first... I know uh, the first song that I'm going to release after 23 years and lots of hard work, um, I, I, I want to own it. I want to. I want it to be just. There you just go. Epic. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Don't ever so. give up your publishing. If if you get any kind of offers on a deal, um, you know, if it's financially beneficial, if they're going to let you uh, keep the integrity of your art, then go for it. But don't ever sign away your publishing rights. And any no. record company that tries to make you do that, they're up to no good. And I know nothing about this, so well, I can I'm, tell you. I can tell you this: the publishing rights is what will secure your financial future. Now, I hear yeah. a lot of musicians, especially here in Norway. I hate when I hear this. They say, "Oh, I don't care about the money. I just want to make the music." Uh, wrong, <laughs> wrong yeah. for me anyway. Okay, stay. You can you can stay true to your art. You can create. You can have your satisfaction with with that process, but. If you're sitting in an apartment that's falling apart and you're starving to death, <laughs> eventually those circumstances are going to get in the way of your creative process. So you yeah. have to think about the finances as well. And I don't know. Th think about it. If you, if you um, let's say this single goes to the top of the charts in Norway, top of the charts in, in all of Europe, for example. and uh, Crossing my fingers. <laughs> but you know, and, and, and but let's say uh, the record company owns the rights to the publishing. Mm -hmm. You get nothing out of the success of that of that song financially, yeah. and that financial reward that you're missing out on could be the way to finance you to make your next single or your next album or buy better recording equipment. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of artists, they want that fame and they want that recognition and they will sign away the rights to their publishing and they end up losing. They end up losing a lot. You know, mm -hmm. 
you'll you'll have a record company that will front you maybe a maybe um, five hundred thousand Norwegian crowns. Uh, that's a lot of money. That's a year's salary and then some for someone your age, right? And yeah, you, yeah. You, you might think that that's a lot of money and that's your money, but it's not really your money if the record company owns everything. That means you, when they put you in the studio to record, you're, you have to pay for that. And that's going right to come right yeah. back out of that 500,000 kroners. And mm -hmm. how much does it take to, well, you and I know we can use, you know, home studio equipment or, or you know, uh, studio equipment from our friends if, if necessary yep. and that costs pretty much nothing but if you go in and you have to hire a producer you have to rent a studio all of a sudden that 500,000 crowns that you got 300,000 of it is going to disappear to pay for that album yep. to get made so then you're going to have to pay rent and then you have exactly to pay and all of a so sudden all of a sudden you owe the record company some money and they say hey get out there hurry up and make another album so that you can make more money for us because you have to pay back what you owe us and then i question where is the artistic process in that it's gone because now you yeah. it's something you have to do not something you want to do yeah no it's uh as for me, money has never been the motivation. I mean, money or fame has never been the motivation no. to no. actually go and make music. And I don't want it to to turn so that that becomes the motivation either. No, I don't think. You know, and, and don't don't uh, <clears throat> just so you understand. I'm not saying money should be the 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 main motivation, but money will finance your way through music which will enable you for more to, to make more art and and just be careful of record companies or managers also who will mm -hmm. try to take an unreasonable share of of the money that you make i tell no, you this yeah, because I, mean, I can see you being successful at this you that's how good i think you are and i think you'll get if you haven't gotten already you're going to get managers you're going to get record companies that are going to start coming with offers for what you do, for what you do hopefully hopefully that's that's a plan i have a, I have a plan that i'm that i'm following so mm. yeah next step would be i mean I'm, i want to level up i want to do more things i mean i'm i can't work enough with the music and that's that's the cool thing for that's me when feeling. i'm in the studio yeah and it's it's like uh, I've thought about this because when I'm in the studio, I don't feel like I'm working. It feels like I'm I'm gaming actually because the time just just flies by. Yeah. If I'm on Call of Duty with my with my friends <laughs> and we start, and then suddenly oh it's four a.m. Yeah. That's the same feeling I get when I'm in the studio. We start early in the morning and oh I have to go eat dinner and yeah. be with I mean it's I hear if, you. if I can make that being my livelihood that would be that would be the dream the dream existence that's for me the, so. that's the life right there that is the life uh, I'm working hard for it so hopefully hopefully I mean and that's what everyone's saying just work hard enough and, and good things will come so and that's true so. I, I believe in that if you put in the work then then you will get some sort of reward absolutely um, let me ask you about the recording process now you you worked with a producer um, mm. did you did you record 
at your own studio or does the producer have a studio where you worked? The producer has a studio. So I met him, Håvard Haglund. I, he needs all the credits he can get. Um, Shout out to him, yeah. Yeah, we met through another great artist which is doing a big project now called Andre Norbeck. He is releasing, I think, one song a week. Oh, wow. Then uh, he's producing it all himself. Uh, recording from home and doing yeah you, you, you should go listen to him because he's really what's really his name again andre norbeck okay yeah, i mean go. you should have him on this podcast because he has loads of cool things to talk about oh man send him uh, so send he, him my information tell him to contact me yeah, of course of course um so we met through through um something called rock the mic um, at the Café Sur, uh, which is this really, really cool urban open mic each, um, each Wednesday. Uh, and we played there, and then we got to talking, and then he brought me into the studio, um, and Howard uh, was the producer on that song. Okay. Now that song, I don't think... It, I recorded the chorus... Um, didn't fit that well and we all knew that from the start or from like the okay. second day yeah. Uh, but I uh, yeah I still want to work with uh, Håvard um, and so we were messaging back and forth and then yeah we recorded it at his studio uh, and he we rewrote the song um first first day um because we were talking about something called the musical math so musical math yeah because when i was when i was writing songs i didn't i didn't really care about like oh yeah um, okay like traditional structure um structure and chord progressions I mean, and things like that yeah yeah, and how the words sound, and uh, that's one part of music that I haven't really talked to or thought about because I wanted my music is quite lyrical. It um, is, yeah. And I, I wanted to tell stories, and uh, whatever way I want to tell a story, I'm I'm just gonna write it down and play it, you know. So when you're recording a song, it needs to sound. It needs to have a structure. It needs to have, I mean, something that you can listen to over and over. That's the point of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so we did that. And then we recorded my acoustic guitar and me singing. Um, and then we added everything on top. Um, yeah. It's been a learning experience, just like. For me, pronunciation of every single word. Yeah, I was listening, uh, you know, as, as someone who is a lyricist, and I do a lot of writing for Norwegian artists, I, that's the first thing mm -hmm. I focused on, is the lyrical content and your pronunciation of it. But you were mm -hmm. dead on. If I, if, I, if, I had, if you had handed me those lyrics, or that track that you sent me and said, hey, fix these lyrics or fix my pronunciation there's nothing to fix there everything is professional and in place good. absolutely good. so good, good job on that, that. Yeah. Uh, thank you and oh i went to lipa they um 
is it uh, yeah, it's in Paul McCartney School in, in Liverpool yes that's right yeah um, there's quite a few so Norwegian he, artists who have been to that school um, yeah yeah yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that school that school works. If you want to <laughs> go, if you want to be a producer, and my experience with it is uh, that's that must be the best place to to go. And also, yeah. when Robert contacted me on Facebook, his profile picture is him shaking hands with Paul McCartney, <laughs> which is kind of like okay. How cool so is that? <laughs> need to be at a certain level before yeah. you can like wear the <laughs> university hat and then go handshake with Paul yeah, McCartney. Uh, Paul McCartney's not shaking cool. just anybody's hand. He's <laughs> you got to work your way up to that. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's a really cool guy, but I, I think you need to get to a certain I, point before. I think you have to earn that handshake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now you, um, you are a f a believer in networking. Um, like you say, you know, with 170 open mic shows, uh, and you meet a lot of people who, who are some of the interesting people that you met? Um, anybody famous or anybody who at that time was up and coming, who now has kind of made it through and maybe released something there or has been some people that were, that were attending the shows that wasn't playing, yeah. um, I know that um, there's a really cool artist uh, called Girl in Red. Yeah, um, yeah. She, she was she was uh, supposed to play Coachella this year, but unfortunately, as you all know, yeah. it's been cancelled. Um, you know the the occasional like rappers because Rock the Mic, uh, it's it's an urban scene, so it's mostly rappers and then. I come there and play my sad love songs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have we have we have had some really really cool cool experiences. Uh, was just playing and meeting people in every in every like level of music yeah. or fame or whatever. Well, um, that's what I like about uh, that's what I liked specifically about that evening when I was at Cafe uh, Mir at Steinar's open mic. <laughs> Um, you know, I, like I said, I went into it not knowing what to expect. I was expecting probably a hostile audience. And like I said before, it was quite the opposite. But that that mix of people that I met there, uh, I can't remember the name of that band. There was like a four-piece band. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but they... they I've only you, seen them. Yeah. yeah, but but you know, meeting them, and that's a that that was a totally different style of music. Meeting uh, some of these uh, comics, uh, wow, what a crazy group of guys uh, yeah, they were! Yeah. But but interesting people. And then you came with your acoustic thing, and and just seeing that blend of people all in that one evening. That uh, to me, that's motivation. To me, that's fascinating. It's just being in that artistic atmosphere that a night like that creates. Right. And you could imagine, like, for me, it was the first time I went there, I thought it was just a stand-up night, an open mic for stand-ups. And to be honest, that's what I thought as well. I had no idea there would be musicians there as well. Yeah, right. So when I got there the first time, I was like, okay, I'm going to be, it's going to be stand-up, 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 stand-up. <laughs> Then I'm gonna play some ridiculously sad love songs, and then there's gonna be stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. That isn't the case there. I mean, yeah. it's a good mix, actually. Um, 
yeah, it's everything from music, stand-up, drag queens. I mean, yeah. uh, whatever you can imagine. I saw one guy there um, just pouring um, toothpaste all over himself. <laughs> so that was... <laughs> that yeah. kind of art, okay. <laughs> I mean, whatever yeah, you want to do. Yeah. It's, it's an open mic, so you can do whatever on that stage. Well, it was a, it was a fun evening for me. I, I'm, I'm going back there. Next time I want to go back and do music, though. Um, yeah, and experiment with that side of myself in front of a crowd. It's been a while. There are more I, stages as well where you can go if you want to do uh, more nights. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I've found all all of the open mics and all of the places where you can play in Oslo, and I'm trying to connect with everyone. So yeah. that when when they're having a concert or when they're having an open mic, I'm the first one they call. That is so, so cool. Uh, yeah. I well, mean, that's the, the power of networking. Uh, it's, that is the power of yeah, networking. Yeah, and it's weird to think about me five years ago when I was just like a year from moving here and I was a really introverted guy. Um, okay. I mean, growing up, red hair, bit of a, of a stomach. I had my I had my really, really good friends, which I'm still really good friends with. Um, but I, I didn't have a big network. I was kind of with the same guys, yeah. the same girls. But now, I mean, I can't... I, I live at I live at Grindelöka, mm. and I play all over here. And now I almost I almost can't go outside without meeting someone <laughs> I know. And yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a feeling. That's, that's, a, that's, a lot of that's, that's a lot of personal growth in a short period of time. Because that's yeah. what it is. Uh, you know... Uh, putting yourself out there and, and doing this thing that we call networking, it's nothing more than just opening yourself up to new stimulus from new people. And that, you have to grow in order to do that. So you, you've, you've been on this journey for the last few years, it's, and you've grown as a person. I've grown as a person, I've grown as a musician. Yeah. Um, my network has grown. Yeah. I mean, there's... The only thing that hasn't grown is my wallet. That's just <laughs> getting hey, smaller. Hey, smaller, all it right? takes, yeah, but you know what? All it takes is one song. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. What is that band called? Um, uh, there was an 80s band called the Rembrandts who wrote that song, the theme song for Friends, the TV show. Yeah. yeah. They had nothing before that. I don't think they've had anything since then, but that no. one song, and I would imagine their wallets are pretty fat. Yes, <laughs> and that's an iconic song. Yeah. yeah, you can't listen to that song without clapping. But I mean, exactly, exactly. Everyone knows that song. So Even it, I have, I've never watched an episode of Friends. Mm -hmm. I still know that song, yeah. word for word. Everybody does. Yeah. So it only it only takes one song, and and you know that's it. Just goes back to that that old cliche. You know, if you put in the work, the results will come. Um, mm. Patience, patience and focus. Yeah, patience and focus. Oh. It gives results. Patience, focus. Now and you, I'm... you, you write. Um, it seems like, if I remember right, from the couple of songs that you played uh, when I saw you, those songs were kind of laid back love songs in the same yeah. genre as your single. Is that where your focus is these days? 
Yeah, when I'm writing, that's the focus. When I'm playing live, I'm trying to read the audience. Um, so when I'm making music, it's uh, I don't know how it got that way, but I, I think ninety percent of the songs that I write are are, are love songs. Well, who is and the all, who is the lover you're writing about? Because that's where it comes from, from your experience. Yeah, no, it's um, I'm I'm not in a relationship, nothing like that. I mean, I take I take uh, I, I'm 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 a bit of a sponge, so I take in whatever I can get. So okay. I've written about specific girls. I've written about like I've tried to put myself in the situation of someone else. Um, how weird that is. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's not uh, weird at all. No. No, but uh, I can tell I, you as a songwriter, that's not weird at all. No, you know, I, I write some of my stuff is biographical, you know, things that I've experienced myself. Some of my <laughs> songs are things that I have observed. Some of my songs are things that I've been told by others. Um, yeah. yeah, so you know, it's there's nothing weird about those different sources. No, uh, so it's kind of just been that way. And my biggest idols all. That's kind of a that's a recurrent theme of all their songs. I listen to like, of course, Ed Sheeran is one of my my great idols. Talented um, musician, I love that guy. Yeah, really talented. And and as the, your prior question, if there was anyone cool I've met, I got to talk to Ed Sheeran for like five minutes once, just me and him. Ah, cool, uh, cool. Yeah, that was. Real cool. Just a quick, quick meet, but still. In Oslo somewhere, or? In Oslo, in Oslo. So he was doing um, promo for Divide. Uh, and uh, I found out that he was at the Thief uh, in Oslo. So I went uh, down there. No one else had found out. I sat outside for about an hour, one yeah. and a half hours. Yeah. He just came out. It was and he security guard was like, just let him put his bag in the car and he'll come talk to you. Um, yeah, what I, I I've thought about or I thought about that a lot before I met him because I was you always wanted to meet some people, you know. Yeah. And I thought I'll be I thought I'll be very nervous, but he just made it very natural and very very cool experience. That is so cool. Now, yeah. Yeah, he, you could tell that he's met a lot of people like me and a lot of people like, oh, you're a Sharon. I mean, wow. Yeah. Well, that's so, just cool yeah, that he took the time. To yeah, that's cool yeah. that he took the time to have a, actually have a conversation with you, not just sign an autograph and walk away. Yeah, he, he I wanted to, to, to do the selfie and he was just like, he grabbed my phone out of my hand and took some cool pictures and oh, I was like, looking around. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. It's real cool. Go on Instagram and and see the picture with me and him. Cause I'm gonna do that. I I posted it on the Ed Sheeran subreddit, and people were telling me that he looked like the fan, and I looked like the celebrity because <laughs> he was taking the pictures. Now that is a sign of him That's being funny. a cool guy. That yeah. is that is cool. How how do people find you on uh, Instagram? Is it just by your name, Frederick Wallman? Just my name, Frederick yeah. Wallman, yes. Yeah, so people will see that in the description of this episode. So go in and check his Instagram out, everybody. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get my followers up. I'm trying to to expand. I had, um, I've had two, actually three, uh, cool experiences with actual musicians or people in the music world. Um, The first one I had was back in. 2005 maybe there was a norwegian band called Hangface, like a hard okay. hard rock metal band and they put on this um it was a songwriting and performance competition that mm-hmm. hang that hang face put on so i had my band and we performed and and then through that um i found out that the great eddie kramer you know, the sound man for Jimi Hendrix, the sound man yeah, for Woodstock. Yeah. Um, uh, he was the producer for Kiss. Uh, he produced or engineered a lot for Led Zeppelin. Eddie Kramer was their manager and record label uh, executive at that time. So Eddie Kramer shows up at the, at the, the night of the, the, the performance contest and... Mm-hmm. I performed, uh, came off the stage. See, I was a little more aggressive than you. And then I went and looked for him and found him. No, I'm sorry. Actually, my wife found him. She was pregnant at that time with our daughter, uh, with her big belly pushing her way through the crowd at this hard rock metal concert. And, (laughs) (laughs) And she grabbed him physically by the arm and brought him over to me as I was looking for him. But he actually talked with me for about 20, 25 minutes, about a half hour, actually. Just cool, talking, yeah. just talking about music. It was uh, one of the cool. I mean, Eddie Kramer. <laughs> that's one of the coolest yeah. experiences I ever had as a musician. Yeah. And then from that conversation, uh, I and my band we ended up doing. Um, I think it was like two or three nights after that show, uh, we got booked to do his. Um, uh, his record company was having a party down in Lillesand, down south, right on mm-hmm. the ocean, right on the beach, and we played. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we played for his uh, his uh, his company's party there, his record company's party. Played. And that's how it happens. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah. It's connecting with people. They're just people, like everyone else. Well, that's I the mean, thing. That's the thing. I would never have thought that he would take the time to talk to me. But he did, and he just showed his humanity. He's just a normal guy. He likes good conversation like anyone else. He's just, yeah. I'm sure it's normal because... Normal guy with a strange job. That's... Well, there you go. I mean... There you yeah. go, yeah. And then another one I had, um, I had a uh, two-and-a-half-hour car car trip where I was driving um, Elliot Mazer, <clears throat> producer for Neil Young's Harvest album. Uh, he produced Linda Ronstadt. Um, yeah. Uh, Elliot Mazer was here in Norway, a friend of mine, where I had written uh, the lyrics for his country album. And Elliot was mm-hmm. here to, um, to produce it. And it's a, to make a long story short, Elliot had to leave the studio early. Uh, you've heard of Lars uh, Voldstahl. In uh, his studio, where the Hellbillies, yeah, the Hellbillies always play there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were recording there, and uh, Elliot, uh, for whatever reason, that's a whole other episode about why he had to leave. But he had to leave, and he needed someone to drive him from that studio, which is way up somewhere in Ustfold, uh, and drive him back to Drummond. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'll do it. (laughs) So there was a two two and a half hour car ride with Elliot, and that, that was a very interesting 
very interesting experience. And then the third experience was uh, my wife and I were at a Prince concert at Oslo uh, Spectrum, front row, and Prince sweated on my wife. Yes. <laughs> that's that's a great experience. <laughs> well. Prince, no, I mean, there's something about talking to people uh, with a lot of experience and with yeah, there's always something to learn. No starcraft, and yeah. even I mean, I have so many questions for for people like that. They didn't most of the time they're working so hard they don't have the time to answer all the questions. But when you, well, you you get to to drive two and a half hours with well, yeah. one of your idols, yeah, you and can, I can tell you, I can tell you, Elliot told me that he. Uh, he says, yeah, John, I probably am enjoying this more than you because I never get a chance to just talk with people. Mm. He told me that. And I get that. You know, when you're that famous and you have that many projects, you know, people are always pulling you in different directions and you have to keep thinking business. And you don't really get too much, uh, according to Elliot anyway, you don't get too much of the person-to-person contact it's always big meetings or you're talking with a whole band and you just don't get to relax and just talk with someone about music yeah i think that's why some of the big artists uh feel really lonely when they're on tour and i mean they have people screaming their name every night and they're playing for 30 40 50 thousand people but then they go back to their hotel room and it's just well them. You, you know who i really respected for their whole uh way of handling that situation uh may he rest in peace neil peart the drummer from rush mm-hmm. uh he talked about he wrote a few books a few um novels about this he would have a motorcycle And the tours would be booked with enough time for him to take a couple, three days between each show and ride his motorcycle to the next place where he was going to play. And of course, along the way, he, you know, he wasn't staying at five star hotels. He would stay wherever it fit to stay. And then in that process, he would meet normal people like you and I, and he would just get to relax and just be a regular guy. Just be a guy that's good at playing music. That's that's the thing. I mean, one of my one of the people I listen to a lot is Damien Rice, um, and he I think he now just he has a sailboat, yeah. and he just when he goes on tour he just take takes his band with him, and they go on a sailboat and then just sail wherever they wherever they are going. Wow, how cool is that? Huh. He's he's done some big shows, yeah, and I think it's kind of like okay, I've done all of that now. I can just do what I want and then sail and have a good time and play in the evenings and eat good food and drink wine. And then, yeah, Yeah. it's it's less work, less work. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, I guess it helps. I I, I think at Neil Peart, uh, he always looked just like, he looked like somebody's uncle. He didn't look like a a rock star. So I guess if you keep your hair cut and maybe don't shave uh, for a few days and, uh, and, and don't wear leather from head to toe and just be a normal guy, I guess it kind of helps to blend into, to society. I'm I'm never, I'm never going to sell music. Uh, you're not going to wear a leather suit. Just uh, based on looks. I'm (laughs) And try to make uh, make good as the the best music I can make to to uh, 
to make up for my appearance. Oh, so come on now. You're not, you're not that. I, I'd give you a hug. You're not that bad. Oh, <laughs> next time I see you, we'll hug it out. <laughs> I tell you, I was, I was really, um, I was really impressed when I saw you perform. You, there are a couple other musicians uh, who perform. There are a couple of them just with an acoustic guitar in themselves. And I saw the difference in the professionalism. In other words, you were so much more at ease performing yeah. by yourself uh, than some of these others. But I guess when you've done as many shows, you know, 170 uh, open mic gigs in 2019, like you said, being on stage is really nothing to you. And on on, the, on uh, the first time I went there, because this is the thing that I've I've thought a lot about that that I mean, devise the people that just uh, they I I want to do music. I'm great when I'm singing at home in my room and I can write songs. There's a difference going out and actually playing it for people. Yes, so there is. Yeah. The first time I went out to play, I was really 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 nervous how big was I the was, crowd in front of you um 15 20 people yeah see it doesn't take much to make you nervous no. when you're new yeah um how did it go though it went okay i had to sit because my legs were shaking so much oh, that i couldn't wow. stand wow um and i was kind of like bent over my guitar yeah had my phone down low and i just kind of in yeah. i was in a ball and then yeah it, at at one moment i just thought okay what can i do to to make the next time i play live more enjoyable um so kind of just have to Okay, relax your shoulders, breathe, and just, you have time. You, yeah. And I was watching the other guys who was more experienced than me, and I was kind of like trying to observe them. Yeah. What are they doing? And they were all kind of like going on stage, talking for a little bit, and making like, okay, this is nothing. This is this this is just for fun. I'm, I'm only here for fun. This is something I like to do. Yeah. And I think that's the... If you go to an open mic for the first time and then you play and it doesn't go as you expect or as you want, yeah. there's a difference between the people that go back there the next time and play. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I want to I wanna do better the next time. And the people are like, okay, didn't go as, as I wanted. I'm not going to go back. See, well, it, that's, that's an interesting... That whole performance thing that whole thing of being on stage is so interesting to me um i like to watch others do it and i also like to do it myself now i've been lucky in that playing my music i've never had a bad experience on stage mm -hmm. never had that so maybe i'm kind of spoiled <laughs> in in that sense but with stand-up comedy I've mm. done terrible a couple of times. I've really bombed, and that, that is that's such a part of it, though. absolutely that's part of it. yeah. I was going to say it's such a great learning experience. So mm. I've gone up there and tried new stuff, and none of it is working. But you know what? It doesn't bother me. I embrace that experience because it's a learning experience. Because I can go back. I always record everything I do with my stand-up. So then I can go back while that feeling is fresh. <laughs> you know, as soon as possible, I go back and listen to it. And 
oh yeah, this is why it didn't work because I messed up the punchline or I messed up the story. I said it backwards, you know, and I always figure out why it went bad and then I've learned something. Yeah, I mean, I mean for stand-up, you also get, or you want immediate response from the from the audience. You want laughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I'm playing, I want people to be as quiet as possible. Yes, the, be, yeah. Yeah, that is one thing that uh, you know. If if it's a if it's a soft, quiet number, and then people are out there just talking and kind of ignoring what you're doing, that that's just not a that's not a good yeah, experience. Yeah, I mean, ninety percent of the hundred and seventy gigs are in bars, where <laughs> there are going to be people that are just there to drink. They didn't know about the event that yeah. night, and they're there to talk with their friends and have beers. And then I get on stage, and I'm like. I I need your attention right now. I have. And I see you they, they're like, yeah, nah. <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> nah, not tonight. But I, then that's the that's the fun of it, though. How can I get? How those can you people get them? Yeah, you know, I actually want to want to watch me. I do have one uh, occasion where things didn't go as I planned. It wasn't the whole show, but in part of a show, um, I was playing with my band at uh, Smuga mm -hmm. uh, when Smuga was still up and going in Oslo. And, um, you know, the whole set, it was a mix of ballads, a uh, little bit of rock, a little bit of funk. So it was a mix of songs. So we played this one funky song that I had. And um, after a couple of verses, there's like a breakdown with no, you know, just, it's a, just a funky groove. Yeah. No, no lyrics. So I shout out to the audience. I say, y'all can dance if you want to. And they all just stood there looking at me with their arms crossed like, um, nope. <laughs> and that is probably the most embarrassing. Yeah, that, that, is a, that is a moment where things didn't go as planned in a, in a music performance. But sometimes <laughs> audiences can be really hard to read. I well, mean, I, I well, thought I've done a really good job. And then, yeah, it, yeah. the response hasn't been that great. And then other times I feel like I've, uh, messed yeah. up and then people are yeah sometimes you just get the wrong read yeah sometimes you get the wrong read on the crowd like you know after that you know I, I you know y'all can dance if you want to and they all just stand there looking at me and then we played the rest of our songs and we got this huge standing ovation at the end and then mm -hmm. for like two hours afterwards everybody these people were coming up to me and congratulating and stuff and mm -hmm. and, I, and it, it was it was a shock to me because I felt like I failed I felt like as a as a, as the lead singer as the front figure of that band I failed because I focused on that one episode during that one song <laughs> so I I read that crowd totally wrong Yeah and I, I for me the thing with okay you uh, people are not going to dance to my songs but I I often <laughs> try to get people to sing along Yeah and um, that's not an easy job because people don't want to sing when they're just sitting and drinking beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and some of my songs and some of my friends' songs that I'm going doing the circle with kind of depend on people singing along. Right. It's kind of part of the melody, and when no one is singing along, oh. it's quite awkward. It can be quite awkward. Oh. <laughs> it's getting better, though. It's getting better, and people are more... I mean, more likely to sing along if they yeah. it's a note song. Well, it's a difficult situation as a, you know performing music. You know, when the crowd's not getting it, you know you can try and sing better. You can try and have a little more intensity or 
or you can try and change the vibe in the by the way that you're presenting that song but the crowd is going to be what the crowd is going to be but what i find in stand-up is that you can if if you're good and if things match up right you can change the way the crowd is responding i have this thing where i'll say um uh you know you guys aren't laughing but this you know i know this shit is funny i'm i'm a good comic you guys are just a bad crowd yeah, <laughs> I flip it on them like that, and sometimes they'll they'll then they'll they'll kind of loosen up. They'll stop taking themselves so seriously because I think sometimes yeah. that's what it is, and and then that'll change the whole flow of the show. But I don't know when you're when you're especially when you're standing there alone with an acoustic guitar, you you kind of have to just keep on keep on going with what you had planned, regardless of how the crowd is going to react. Yeah. If I'm in a song, if I'm doing yeah. a song, someone starts to talk. But if I'm uh, between songs, I mean, some some of the uh, some of the people I work with that do these nights. So, uh, for example, on the Rock the Mic yeah, night, people are there to drink, and I'm I'm ruthless when I'm on stage. So I just <laughs> go, okay, if you're going to sit in the first row and talk, would you mind moving to the back? So oh, you actually get them on that, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I always yeah. say that. I always All say right. that. Like, shushing them, and I'm, yeah. When I'm on stage, you know, and I'm, you don't want to, you don't want to, I guess it's the same. If You, you don't want to heckle a guy if the guy on the other hand and has the microphone. Yeah. The guy with the microphone is always going to win regardless. If, if they know, well, you know, because I've seen some people that can't handle a heckler. I Personally, <laughs> I like it when they heckle. Uh, well, well, Stand up when I'm doing stand up, I like when they heckle because I just incorporate that into the show with my comebacks yeah. and and yeah, but but music, I don't know. I'm trying to picture myself telling people to shut up so I can sing. <laughs> it's a barrier. It's a barrier, but it's a, it's just a thing that if you've done it, uh, and some people are there to actually see the show and listen to yes. the music. Yeah, and that's the people that I'm trying to sing to, them. to sing to. Yeah. Uh, and it's <laughs> I feel that way when I'm on when I'm at concert as well. If I've paid to oh. go see one of my favorite artists, let's say, yep. and then the guys behind me are shouting the lyrics as yeah. the artist is playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a time. There's a time for singing along. There's a time for to be quiet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I know. And by the way, with heckling, I went to see the great Dave Chappelle in mm. Oslo. I missed I that show. I didn't get to see that. Yeah. No, but he did his hour, and then thirty minutes into the hour, someone heckled him because he was talking about the same topic that he was talking about in the in the Netflix special that's already released. Okay. And then one one girl was shouting, uh, "Say something new" or something like <laughs> uh -huh. that, and he. And he was really, really ruthless. He was like, okay, tell me the punchline to this joke. Tell me <laughs> the punchline. Because <laughs> if, you, if you can tell me the punchline, then you're correct. I'll, I'll never do this bit again. Uh, uh -huh. But you don't know the punchline to this bit. And then the rest of the third, I mean, the, the rest of the show was just improvised crowd work. Yeah. And to see a guy go on stage at a big stage, Oslo Spectrum, 
and just own it. And people were laughing hysterically, and people were all quiet. He had us in the palm of his hand the whole time. That man is a wizard on the mic. And you bring up a very good point. A lot of people just think of Dave Chappelle making you laugh, but Dave Chappelle makes you shut up and think as well. I've seen some of his bits where people are dead silent, listening and thinking through what he's talking about. Yeah. So he, 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 he can raise and lower the emotions and change his the emotions. It's really emotional. And then he, uh, spoiler alert, but he, he ends the show um, by, he, or he ended the Oslo show by quoting um, Biggie. Because he, yeah. uh, he was like, what's the best invention that ever, ever came out from the U.S.? And it's hip-hop. And then he quotes, I think, almost a whole, like the entirety of, um, of a Biggie, Biggie song. Um, and then he, oh, what's the name of that artist? It's a real big artist. I'm just, um, I can't remember his name right now um but he brings up one of the one like a really really famous rapper to just do uh-huh. one song at the end of the show which is like okay <sighs> you're dave Chappelle. you can do whatever you want to yeah. and, you know, that guy is a that guy is a wizard i tell you he um well he's one of my stand-up uh heroes he's somebody i look up to with stand-up I also mm-hmm. like um, Bill Burr, uh, Louis C.K., Chris Rock. Okay. Have you seen the, 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 the latest Louis C.K. special? You know what? Don't tell me anything about it. I, I, I haven't had the time. I, wanna, it, it, I have to listen. I have to watch that special when I can be left totally alone. I can't have my wife and kids in the house because I want to no. be able to. The, 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 my favorite living stand-up comic is Louis C.K., yeah. So I am so geared. I am s- totally hyped up to watch his special. So if you've seen it, don't tell me anything. No, I'll just say it's really good to have Louis C.K. back. I mean, I knew he would come back. Uh, whatever he did, and however bad it was, I, I still I think you need to need to uh, uh, divide the artist from the person from the art so well, he's a really really good stand-up comedian and no one no one can can tell me anything other than that but you know what you, you know i'll go a little i'll go a step further okay you can separate the person from the art but i'll take it a step further he you know what he did was wrong <clears throat> but doing something yeah. wrong does not make you a bad person i'll tell you why i think he is probably a decent person because when he got called out on these things that he did, he didn't deny it. He said, yes, I did that. It was Mm. years ago. It was wrong. I'm sorry. Mm. And then he stepped away. That tells me that he's a decent person just because some, see, there's this thing going around in society today that says that you have done something wrong. So you are condemned to hell for the rest of your life. And that's wrong. I don't, I, I just don't, I don't believe that. Kevin Hart with his, with his tweets and Same then how he get to do the Oscars. Uh, yeah, that they would dig up some tweets. Wrong, you stand up for it and then yeah. like own it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, I don't know. I'm not sure I want Louis C.K. dating my daughter. 
<laughs> but no. I don't think he. I don't think he's this this evil devil of a man either. No, uh, I believe he did some things that were very wrong, and he hurt some people by that. But I believe, uh, you know, we don't know if he went to those women and apologized. We don't know. You know? We don't know. And he probably did. As a matter of fact, but we don't know that he didn't, but people mm -hmm. are assuming that he did these things and he felt that there was nothing wrong about it, but that's just not the case. Not as I see it. No, I'm, yeah, no, I, I've, I've, I've gotten a lot of respect for that man just to see Me how, too. like with Dave Chappelle, how he just goes on stage and have full control Yeah, and just, um, he speaks to the crowd or those two guys speaks to the crowd in a way that you need to have done it a thousand yes. times before you can do it that way. Yeah. And uh, to me, that's like seeing a great guitarist and then imagining him sitting on his bedside and, yeah. and I mean, practicing because you can't, you can write I've never written stand-up, but I imagine you can write stand-up at home. But you never know if it's any good before you've actually tried it out. Yeah, yeah. They've had to, they've had to write pages and pages and pages yep. and trying it over and over and You're over. You're exactly and right. And working really hard. So what I appreciate with these with those guys are just how how good they are how yeah that's hours and hours and hours of repetition of trying and failing and adjusting and and then try it again and then rewrite it yeah that's uh, well, i've heard i've heard bill burr talk about his writing process as a stand-up comic um uh, and louis ck does it the same way also when they do their special they'll do their one hour special then they throw away all of that material and they start over they yeah. start writing, and, and, and it might only be a couple weeks of writing, and then all the, already they feel ready to go and do maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. They'll show up somewhere, they'll do 10 minutes, they'll see if that 10 minutes works. If it works, they might fine-tune it a little bit, and then they'll try to write another 10 minutes. And then the next time they go out in a couple weeks, you know, after a couple weeks of just polishing that first 10 minutes, now, after a few weeks, they've got 20 minutes and so on, and they just work on that for a year until they have a one-hour special ready. Yeah, to bring it back to the music, I mean, the the song that I'm releasing, it's not a new song. It's not a song that I've written to be my first single. It's one of the songs that I've written Interesting. within the past two years. And I've played it live, yeah, probably 200, 300 times, different places, everywhere, played it at home. I know that song, and, and, and it's finished. And I'm not. I'm. I'm releasing it in hopefully in July. July, uh, yeah. which is um, I think twelve or yeah, almost a year after I've I'd written it because I found the original. Like I filmed myself at home after I've written a song uh -huh. just to have it on repeat and then listening to it myself. And that's not the same song at all. I've totally different feel. Parts. Yeah, and. Uh, the music is different from what I'm playing on my guitar. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's evolved into the song that I'm releasing. Now. So you take whatever amount of time you need to take in order to polish that song and make it ready. Yeah, and I have three or four more songs that I know are ready to be uh, released, uh, or at least ready to be recorded. Yeah. Um, but after that, I don't want it to be a year gap 
until the next time I'm releasing music. Yeah. So it uh, consistency it, is is very important. Consistency and yeah, being with being consistent with giving or releasing good music. Yes, yeah, yes. You can't just be pumping out songs and but they're crap. Uh, consistency mm-hmm. with quality is important. I'm, I'm yeah. very frustrated. You know, I'm having a great time doing podcasting, and uh, and uh, you know when the when the uh, quarantine or the isolation is over, I'll I'll start having fun again doing stand up. But mm-hmm. my music kind of stopped. I lost. Uh, my son died in uh, November 2019. Um, and ever since then, something is just, I, I can't, I, I can't write music. <clears throat> and, oh, wow. and, and actually, that, but, how, yeah, well, you know, things, how do I put it? Things happen. He was uh, yeah. a grown man who unfortunately made some stupid, uh, stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. It was a heroin overdose. It was a heroin oh. overdose. <clears throat> but to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. But that kind of put a stop on all of my creativity when it comes to music but in order to get through that frustration and pain and sadness i focused even more on my Mm -hmm. stand-up i actually have a bit that that talks about my son's uh addiction and 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 uh, what he may be experiencing now in the afterlife so i kind of put that into my stand-up thing to kind of try and deal with that so it's it's just. Do you think? Do you think? Sorry, but do you think you can you can joke about everything? Absolutely, and I do joke Absolutely. about everything. Yeah. Um, you you only saw a little bit of my stuff, um, and that was all new material that I did at Steiner's Open Mic. But I I talk about everything. You know, there's yeah. Yeah, and I absolutely. Agree. If you do it in the right way, in the right yes. context, yeah. I don't say anything to be mean. Uh, what no. I say might be on a very tough subject, but I'm not saying I'm not mm-hmm. talking about it to be mean. But I no. think my stand-up is what has gotten me through these months after my son died. But um, I do, I am starting to get a little more creative. So to hear you talk about how the song that you release now is something that you've been working on for a couple of years, I can totally identify with that because um, I had released four singles up until November of last year. Mm-hmm. And so when I go back to my music now and I polish up the music that's been sitting there, some of these songs are going to be two, three, or four years old. Yeah. So it, and that's something that people might find interesting is that a song that is new for them might be old for the musician. Be, yeah, I mean, um, and that's, I think that's going to be the thing I'll have to work the hardest on uh, yeah. after releasing all the songs that I've already written and already know that are finished. Because yeah. as I said, I don't want it to be, I, I, want, I want to have some form of consistency. So yeah. I want to release music. Uh, it's, it's hard to say now because I haven't started on the projects yet, but um I wanted to be. I wanted to. This. The. I wanted still to be fresh. The first single should still be kind of fresh, or people are have listened to it, and then 
when I released the second single, I wanted to be like, okay, so I've listened to the other song. Now I'm going to listen to the this song that he's released. What do you think that'll be? Like maybe one single every three months? Uh, hopefully. It depends on on how much studio time I get, how, yeah. what happens. So, Do you have any... Do you, I'm sorry, sorry? Do, do you have any studio equipment of your own so that you can record? Or yeah, do, you have to, do you have to go not, into... I'm not good at producing. Okay. And I, I, I want it to be... You want um, it to be professional and, and... Yeah. 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 I want it to... Uh, everything that I'm going to release, uh, I'm going to have to be really, really happy or and proud of. And for example, the song that I've sent to you and the song that I'm releasing first, I probably listened to the unmastered version, version of that hundreds of times yeah yeah and just sitting with my notebook and go okay at 13 seconds um my voice cracks a little bit or something like that yeah or yeah this this word i've pronounced slightly wrong or yeah so i'm i'm really going into like I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm I'm trying to go really in depth, and then yeah. There's a lot of different thoughts on that. I'm I'm kind of, you know, I want all of my work or any work that I'm going to be involved in. I want it to be done professionally, but there is such a thing as overproducing it to where you yeah. take all of the funk out of it. And when I say funk, I mean that cool thing about the song, regardless of what genre it is, you take yeah. that good stuff, that, that human stuff out of it because you've overproduced it. You've overthought it. You know, there's a lot of different, a lot, a lot of different thoughts on that, but, uh, I don't know. I guess the, the don't, don't, I don't want to, I would never want to fall into a position where, my my search for perfection gets in the way of my productivity no that's how i look at uh, it yeah yeah that's a good point but I, yeah the, the the perfect thing for me is I've, i'm one of the guys that i listen to a lot it's called foy vance um foy vance made an album in a famous studio called fame in uh, in the us where um all the musicians were in the same room at the same time playing, doing different takes, of course, and then adding yeah. it up together. But it just sounds real and it still sounds really professional and every level is where it should be. But it sounds it sounds like someone's actually playing the music, not yeah. just like yeah. uh, programming it into, into analog into Analog versus digital. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, th that sound for me, I think, is the sound that I'm going to be looking for. Um, but it's hard to do, you know. You can't just I I, I can't go and hire the five professional studio musicians. Yeah. Back and to the studio. whole thing. Back to the whole thing with finances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, do you also, have any? Do you have any friends who who? Uh, well, I don't know. That might change the whole dynamic of your project because then it's no longer a solo project. It becomes a band project. Mm. Yeah. Since I'm only playing on my own, um, I, I've uh, I debated if I wanted to just keep it 
just me and the guitar even on the recordings yeah um but i wanted to have as we've talked about like i wanted to have some commercial success as well right. um right and you can so have you can have that with just you and, a, and an acoustic guitar you could have that that success you yeah. know you could but I, I I think if I understand your dilemma properly, if you if you have uh, a situation where you're bringing in a bunch of studio musicians, that's going to be impossible to recreate on the road mm -hmm. live solo. Yeah. So yeah. you got to balance that out, I guess. You got you yeah you got it because I, I I want to. That's also a part of being an experienced live artist is that when I release a song, I want to be able to go and buy my own play that song for people yeah and they would be like okay so that's uh, that's the song that's the same song that i've listened to on spotify or whatever um, yeah. and i wanted to sound the same i want the same vibe um because eventually the thing i want to do is play shows that's that's the fun part yeah i mean yeah. it's really cool to be in the studio and work on music and I really really enjoy it but my love of music comes from playing live and meeting people and, yeah, and it shows faces. yeah um, and seeing impact on people I think it's uh, that that's that's very cool so you make people laugh and you make people cry with your music uh, but just yeah I've chosen a really hard job where I'm singing sad love songs for people and I my point is to make them feel a bit of the same that I felt when it happened to me. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I can identify with that absolutely. Yeah. But but so, do you do you do you write in such a way that you're you because there's something about I I've written songs and people ask me, well, what, what was that song about? And then mm. I just flip the question on them, well, what do you get out of that song? And they'll yeah. have an idea completely different from what my idea was when I wrote it. How important is audience interpretation of your songs to you? How important it's is really that? Important. It's really important, but I, I feel like it kind of, I mean, I'm not writing music for anyone but myself. Okay, yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to try to You're not trying to impress think, anybody. No, and none of your thoughts are original. No. I mean, everyone every thought that I've uh, I've ever had or will ever have someone else have thought about before. But the way you express that thought is very individual and that can be extremely yeah. unique. So, yes. Yeah. So, so I guess when I'm trying to, um, when I'm writing, I'm trying to express myself in a, in a way that people will understand how I felt and maybe they've felt the same way. Maybe, yeah, they've been in a similar situation or maybe they could uh, listen to the song in another way where they can interpret it as the situation that they've been in. Not necessarily the same situation that I've been in, but... The, the music is still still speaking to them um yeah when i'm writing when i'm sitting down and writing the songs uh, in my room it's kind of it's just for me when when yeah. i when i play it for people it's not for me anymore it's for everyone that's listening to it
that's almost exactly the same way I look at my songwriting. I quite comfortably and openly say that I write for selfish reasons. I'm trying to work something out within myself or for myself. Mm. Um, and, and, then, and then after that process is done, then I can just hope that someone else finds something within my message that they can apply to themselves. But yeah. first and foremost, I'm doing it for myself. Yeah, I think, and I think it's it's kind it's kind of it's kind of like therapy for me. I've never been. I use I've that word a lot. Therapy. therapy, absolutely. It's music is therapy. Songwriting is therapy for me as well. Yeah, it's like I, I just get it out. Yep. I just over and done with. Yep. I'm, I have this song which will last forever. Uh, yeah, and some things are too hard for me to write about. Like, for instance, if uh, I, I've, I've lost a family member, my grandfather and I were really, really close and he he passed away it's, it's years ago, but we, yeah. we were really, really close. And I've uh-huh. tried to write songs about that, but I just can't. Well, it's yeah, not, I, I, I totally understand. Like I said, I've been in a dry spell for, for songwriting since uh, since November, since my son died. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you know, there, there's a song in you about your grandfather. It's in you. There's a and song eventually, somewhere. Yeah, eventually it will come out. I really special, though, because I want to honor him with that song. It will be. When it comes, when it comes you'll, you'll know that that's the song, and uh, you just let it out. Some yeah. people try to chase songs. I can't do that. You know, if I sit down to write, uh-huh. and sometimes I can have a strong feeling, a strong emotional response to something that happened or that something that was said to me. So I'll go and I'll sit down and try to write with every intention of writing. Mm. But then all of a sudden, I can't. And no. I used to try and chase that. I'm like, wait a minute. I just felt something. I, gotta, I used to try and chase that, but I don't, I don't do that anymore. I'll just Would stop. I- yeah, no, what I do is I just, I, um, whatever I'm doing, if I'm on the train or walking around, uh, being around people, I'm always thinking about music or lyrics. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm, I'm on my phone uh, and just in the notes app, writing down sentences. Yeah. Then I think about that sentence when I'm walking around and then, okay, that could be a good idea. So yeah. I write another sentence and then when I get home I sit down with my notebook and I just like what I've started to do recently just write down whatever I'm thinking of on the yeah. first page Yeah. and then I try to find some structure, try to find the sentences that I can work into the song and then write from there is a kind of starting at the end yeah. and then building you up the bottom and that, I th- that that's the only way I can write now. Because if I just sit down with the guitar and try to write something, it's going to be... Um, I, I can't phrase myself in the same way as if it's actually natural or a song that I'm... I see, yeah. I, yeah. And it kind of gets just like dull and flat. That's, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. I think, yeah. I, the way I look at it is, is I never chase a song. The song has to no. be there, it has to be natural. And um, if I sit down thinking that I have a good idea, but all of a sudden it doesn't feel right, then I just stop. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, at least for me anyway, it will show in those lyrics. 
or it will show in that melody that it, there's nothing real about it that I had to mm. chase it that I forced myself to write something I, I just I can't do that and I wouldn't be proud of my songs when I go out and play yeah. them I don't want to be like okay this might be a good song I'm not sure yet because I know when a song that I've written is good and yeah, yeah. I'm writing I know as I'm writing it I wrote a song yesterday which I'm really excited to be working on because I think that's lyrically the best song that I've ever written. Cool. So now it uh, depends on how like the music and everything blends together, but I think it's going to be a really good song, and that's that's why I like songwriting because it's intriguing. It's I want to I want to work on it. I want to yeah, and the songs that are kind of like. <sighs> The songs that are in, that doesn't make me feel that way, I don't want to work on, and then I don't want to play them live. Yeah, you know, it, it goes back to writing for yourself. You have to like it. Mm. You have to impress yourself. Um, I, you know, I always feel like, and I don't think there's anything egotistical about this, but I feel like I'm writing the best music in the world because it's the yeah. it's the music that I like. I am satisfied with it. And, yes, and, it's music and you want to listen to. Exactly. And, yeah. exa and then hopefully enough people will agree with me. But first and foremost, I have to like it myself. It looks it looks like you th you think the exact same way. And I think that's a healthy approach to songwriting. You, you see people get very depressed and upset when they go through periods of writer's block. Um, yeah. It can be frustrating, but it never really upsets me. I figure that's just my body or my mind, rather, dealing with, you know, the thoughts that I have, and it's just not ready to be expressed. But eventually yeah, it will come back. Eventually it will come back. It's also a question of motivation. What's your motivation by writing that yeah, song? Exactly. I've so, never sat down and said, I need to write a hit. I no. always sit down and say, I need to write something that's going to do something for me, that's going to move me, something that's going to affect me in, in, in a positive way. That's my yeah. first and, thought. And I met some people during these two years who uh, who were like, okay, I don't want to be a good musician. I want to become famous. Wow. And that's when I stopped working with them. Because that's the motive. I mean, okay, I see why you want to be famous, but do you just want to be... Uh, I, and my motivation is writing my own songs and making my yeah, music yeah. not having 10 people write a song for you that's I mean it sounds good and you could be a really great singer or whatever mm -hmm. but yeah there's a certain amount of there's there's a lack of art art what do you call that there's a lack of art in that mm. um mm. It's part of it's part of that pop music factory, and I just I don't know that doesn't do anything for me. Again, always the first thing I have to do is satisfy myself, and then yeah. secondary is recognition, money, fame. Now, of course, I would love to be well known for my songwriting or for my music or for my performing or whatever. But the first step is that I have to be satisfied with it. Yes. I'll never put out a song that I didn't write myself. I'll never put out a song that I don't like. Never. No, no. But the only thing that I'm kind of like, uh, I'm the only thing that I'm jealous of those people are that they can go on stage, yeah, uh, and be 
fully confident in a song that they haven't written themselves. Yeah. And just, okay, this is my song. Even though I haven't written a word of it, I'm just... I went to a studio and had the demo play over five times and then I recorded it and that was my song. And if you can go on stage after that and play it and make it your song, that's cool. But most people can't do that. I tell you what's, to me, what, what's a little bit sad in those situations is you get a big star like, like uh, Beyonce or Rihanna or somebody like that and they have you know 10 songwriters who forget about if it's 10 maybe sometimes it's only a single person who has written a song and beyonce wants to use that song and you have a songwriter maybe somebody like me who's sitting in his poor little studio at home and mm. oh my gosh beyonce wants my song but for her to perform my song i've got to give her 65 70 percent of the royalties of the publishing rights and to see that there are songwriters who will actually do that I, I, it's a sad situation because maybe they're in a financial situation where they need the money, but it's sad that they are exploited by these big artists who take, you know, a huge percentage of the, of the publishing rights to these songs. And I, I, I listened to Beyonce and I listened to Adele and, uh, I listened to all the big artists, uh, and I take inspiration from them because sure. That yeah, I'm not knocking their I'm not knocking their talent, but I, I guess what I'm doing is is I'm as I'm um, I'm putting a big black circle around that phenomenon of songwriters giving up huge portions of the rights to the songs that they've written. Yeah, I just think it's a diff. There's a difference between a performer or an artist and a musician. Oh yeah, there's a definite difference. Absolutely. And I, I, I always listen to music, musicians. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I see why people listen to just perform performers and well, I you get know, why people the catchy tune, the big show. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. a catchy, easy to yeah. listen to song. And yeah, I'm, the song that I'm releasing is hopefully going to be easy to listen to. And I think it is. Listen to it's a well-written song. Yeah, it's a yeah, well-written so, song. Thank you. And yeah, I get it. I, I see. But um, when it turns into just the machinery where the artist isn't really involved in just in the writing process or whatever... That's where I fall off. That's yeah, that whole that whole pop music factory thing is just so unappealing to me. Now, of course, I'm saying that, and nobody has ever offered me a million dollars for a song. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. But, but sitting yeah. here as a as a uh, artist and a, and a songwriter, it, that whole factory mechanism that that exists today, it's just it's. I think it's a sad thing. It's taking the art and the musicianship out of music and what is music without art what is music without uh musicianship there's so much so much focus on the performer but not the musicianship i don't i don't i don't mind it as long as there's still space for real musicians to or not real musicians but musicians 
to to actually have have success so, so you don't mind sharing i don't want to share that's mine get out of the way <laughs> yeah I mean, no, I, 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 I'll, I'll write for other people that's that's fun but no, I I, yeah, from yeah sure sure you know and I, I'll, I'll write for other people too but not at the expense of giving up uh you know if 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 uh musician x comes with a piece of music and they'd like me to write lyrics on that i'll do that mm -hmm. and then we share 50 50 in the whole project yep. uh and that's fine but what i'm saying is that some of these biggest art bigger artists will come in and they haven't written anything but they will demand like 65 percent and I don't, I don't understand that. They haven't it's written. It's a brand. It's a brand name. I'm sorry. Say again. It's their brand. I mean, they. Yeah. If if I were to sell or give a song to Beyonce, it's going to do better. Sure. Much better than I, it would have been if I just recorded it and released it myself. Which means that that's the true. That's very true. That's, that's left that I own of the song is going to yeah, earn me more than I would if I owned true. 100%. That's very true. But isn't there something wrong if you have written the whole song? Yeah, and I, I but agree you with cut, you. Yeah, but you have to cut out, you know, 65, 70%. Yeah. And you I haven't. I, but I see why people do it. That's my I point. Do. I, sure, sure. Okay, yeah. I thought I we, mean, I thought we were going to argue for a second here. <laughs> no, um, I see we agree. We agree. No, yeah. we agree. We agree. Yeah. But I, I mean, some people just like to write songs. Yeah. And that's the thing that they want to do. And maybe they're not the best singer or they've understood that, okay, I'm better at producing and writing. Yeah. And then they still want to have a, a good musical career i mean that's sure. also that's yeah. the, that's that's the path to go i mean sure not everyone's gonna stand on stage yeah. i i yeah no i don't have I a, like that just i mean the competition is is uh, uh smaller if <laughs> i mean if everyone who wrote songs were on stage <laughs> yeah there'd be uh, no room it'd be real hard to yeah. break through yeah no i i i get i get what you're saying and i and i agree with you I, i'm just kind of pointing out this phenomenon where uh good songwriters have to give up so much uh in order to have their song be sung by an artist um yeah. you know why why is it that you and i let's say i came let's say you came with a piece of music and a melody and i were to write lyrics on top of that how come you and i can share that but when it gets up to a certain level uh, there is no sharing. Someone is just taking, and you get whatever's left. And there's there's just something wrong. Yeah, yeah. I ethically, agree. there's something ethically wrong in that process. Ethically and that, yeah, wrong. and that and that's where the money side of things get get in the way of the art. Mm. You know, uh, I can just collaborate with someone, and there's nothing to think about when it comes to money. You know, we worked on it together. We share fifty fifty. There's nothing to think about, but you get up to that certain level in that corporate uh, thing that exists in music, and all of a sudden, the art takes a back seat, and now everything is about the finances. Yeah, and there's something wrong with that. There's something. There's wrong even with examples that. of. Uh, I mean, there's a great Norwegian artist called Dagny. Um, yeah, she's good. 
yeah, she's really, really talented and great musician. And uh, I think it was um, Katy Perry took one of her songs, yeah. I believe, yeah, and then just made it herself and then released it as a Katy Perry yeah. song yeah. with different uh, lyrics and. S- I think they must have made some difference in the melody. The core, the core of the melody was exactly the same, though, and then they just made a few different changes in the arrangement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's okay. So that that that's that says to me that okay, Katy Perry, cool performer, cool artist. I like her when I see her in interviews, and she's 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 great, but she's. Um, She's not. Uh, she's not the greatest musician, and no. she knows that. And it's just enjoyable music to listen to, yeah. and it's just made to to reach a lot of people. And to yeah, and in the end, I think it just gives people happiness and gives them joy. So yeah, she's yeah. got her fan base, and they love her, and and uh, and she 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 adds something to their life, but. But then again, you know, you look at that whole corporate process that enabled her to take a song from someone else. Well, I, I shouldn't say too much because I don't know if Dogney ended up getting any kind of proper compensation. I don't know that either. Yeah, I don't know. I know there was a lawsuit, but I never did hear anything about how that turned out. Yeah. So, so I don't know. Maybe Dogney got what she should get. Hopefully. I Hopefully. hope so. Yeah. Well... No, she she's cool. She she has some really cool songs. I want to if even if that lawsuit gave her some more. I mean, people were uh, if people's <laughs> eyes were open to Dagny after the lawsuit, then maybe yeah, that that was a good thing that sure. Katy Perry took her song. Yeah. So yeah, I guess maybe you know I'm talking I'm talking all this shit now, but I guess I wouldn't get mad if if uh, Neil Young stole a song of mine. I mean, I would make no, so, I would make right. some noise, but I would also enjoy. Excuse me, excuse me, Mister Young. That's my song, and then go to lawsuit, and then people would be like, "Okay, so this guy actually yeah, who wrote is it. this guy? Who is this guy, John yeah. Allen?" <laughs> yeah, I'm about to listen to his music now because he wrote that Neil Young song. <laughs> so I mean, it's not the worst thing that will happen to you. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, there's also a trend now. People. Noah Sharon was in a lawsuit um, because people or the owner of a Marvin Gaye song yeah. thought that he just uh, took the whole melody and there's some great YouTube videos on that where they break down both of those songs and yes there is patterns that are similar. Yes, there are. You, you, I mean, Ed Sheeran did it himself. He actually, when he plays, is thinking out loud. And he sings, the, he covers the Marvin Gaye song in the middle of thinking out loud. And uh-huh. he's alive, so he's aware of it. This, this is not a secret. Um yeah, but I, if, if you if you're popular and and people are going to try to exploit you, I think, and people are going to take so. advantage. And, uh, yeah, that's when you need a good team of lawyers to take care of those things for you, so you don't have to think about it. Yeah, no oh, lawyers. Oh boy, let's stay away from them. <laughs> let's, let's change the subject. No lawyer talk. Yeah. And no lawyer talk. <laughs> 
So you, um, we kind of got away from something I wanted to ask you about, and, and that is your, your timeline. Um, yes. You don't really have a timeline. You don't really know how often you want to put out singles, but if I put you on the spot now and you have to answer, how, what would you like to do? Would you just like to release singles? And if you just want to release singles, how much time in between? And if you want to release an album in the end, how many singles would you release before you released an album? I I made a plan for that. So I thought that I had uh, exactly... I, I, my plan was to make an EP and yeah. just to release that EP as... Four songs, one, five songs? Four, four or five songs. Yeah. Then I sat down with Håvard uh, Haglund, the producer, and he told me something that was completely the right thing to say, but it kind of... It, it it wasn't the easiest thing to to hear about yourself, and that was <laughs> no one is and no one is waiting for music for from you. No one is waiting for me to release any music because I haven't released any music. Right. And I mean, some of my friends and my family and maybe some people that I played to live might uh, wait for me to release a single or music in general. Um, but what we're trying to do now is like build. Uh, I mean, how can I pronounce this the right way? How we want to build the um, the amount of people that are actually waiting for new music. So whatever time that takes, whatever time that takes for, I think I'll see pretty quickly. Hopefully, how the first single is going to do. And then the next single will probably do better, faster, even though it sure. might not be uh, a better song. Because yeah. people are actually tuning in to my, uh, to my world of music. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm trying to do now. And I'm, since I haven't been involved in releasing any music before, uh, I think it's really hard to say exactly the... Um, the time schedule, but I, I want to, as I said earlier, I want to keep it fresh. Yeah. I want to be consistent. So yeah, depending on how long it takes to make the song, I'll hopefully within two months, three okay. months yeah. of the single. Yeah. I would think anywhere from two and a half to three months in between single releases is a, is a good way to go. And, and, uh, and a lot of people stress about that album process, but if you have a goal, um, if you have a goal, let's say every other month you release a single, that means mm -hmm. within 12 months you have six singles out there. And in between those releases, if you're still writing and you're still recording, it's very easy, in a sense, to have an album ready to go after yeah. 14, 15 months, ready to release, you know? Yeah, and then, and then again, I want, I want the the songs or the music that I released to be finished and a good representation of the song that I actually wrote when I wrote it. Yeah. So yeah. it's a whole process. It's a long process yeah. and it's a, for people listening that are not into making music. I think they would be surprised of how much work it is just to make one three minute song. I mean, you yeah. have to, yeah, 
you have to the, the easiest part really is to just write it and then uh, you have a song that's yeah. what you have you have a song mm -hmm. then you have to record it find the arrangements and make i mean i i've made changes in the lyrics i need to find cover art i need to find a distributor i need to make the money so that i can pay the producer it's a long process yeah it's it is very long it is but as you build relationships with people in that are doing the same things and want to work with you i think it's going to be easier and easier and for now music isn't the only thing i do because it's i need to pay rent i need to yeah yeah i need to have food you have um, to live yeah you have to live and you have to do i mean but if i could only think and breathe and live music that's then it would have yeah that's the dream and that's that's when the the singles are going to come regularly in like yeah. two three maybe an album a year or something um it's hard to say it's a hard question that is a difficult uh, question to answer, yeah, because uh, that process can can vary. You know, sometimes, uh, so, you know, as we mentioned before, we, we can sit on a song for a couple years before it's finished. Yeah. Uh, that recording process can happen quickly or it can, you know, it, it all depends on the arrangement and what amount of perfection you want. Sometimes that recording process can take several weeks, if not months, yeah. on one song. So, yeah, I think we used about three months on this song. Yeah, yeah, uh, um, and, and that's typical. We could have we could, we could have done it faster, but Howard um, uh, was changing studios. Okay. So, uh, but that was that was fine because then I had time to listen to like the rough demos and read sure. the lyrics that I've written together. And in the and meantime, then, you're still writing new stuff, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think at the, at the time when we started to record this song, um, that was my best song. Yeah. But now after that, those three months, I've, I've written three or four songs that can compete and at least one or two songs that I, I, I know are better. That's a healthy kind thing. Of like a, no, go ahead. Yeah, it is. But still, I want my first single to be the best song that I have written. Could you um, picture yourself, let's say you write a song that's just killer and, and better, even better than the one that I heard. Can you see yourself shoving that one to, to the side and then starting on this new song and making that the first? Even though you're so close to giving out this song, the current song, would you put that away if you wrote a song today that, that you felt was better? How, how locked in are you on this one song? Um, the thing is, I'm really happy with the song. And I, yeah. I kind of think that I'm, I'm, I'm overthinking uh, everything. I think you are. So now but that's... I'm, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll just release this song. Yeah. It will do whatever it will do. And I will try to make it as popular as, as I can. Um, but it's, it's the last opportunity I have, or it's the only opportunity I have to release a debut single. But it isn't the last 
piece of music that I'm going to release. Right. And that's what I was thinking. You know, it, you haven't asked me for my advice, but if I can give you some, some free advice, I would say stop Please. over. I would say stop overthinking it. You are uh, a talented young man. That song that you sent me is beautiful. And you should just, you should just, you know, of course, keep writing, but regardless of how you feel about which song is best, uh, you already know that you're not going to record something that you don't think is at least good for yourself. No. So just release no, this I'm, single. And then when you get the next song done, release that one and just keep on going. Keep don't on don't going. overthink Yeah, don't I'm overthink it. Thing. Don't overthink it. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, is you will get better without even thinking on it. You'll get yeah. better. Each song you write is an improvement. Each song you record is an improvement. And the whole time you're learning. So it's going to get better. It will. Even in the process of recording this yes. song, I've see, I've see that I've escalated yeah. pretty quickly in the, like the levels of um, recording a song. Cause well, you probably have become a better musician because now you can hear your mistakes very clearly. Yes. And yeah. I, I know... I know now my opportunities, what I can do with the next song and how that ex experience is going to be. Because the first time I walked into that studio, I was kind of nervous. I can and imagine. I never, I'm never nervous. I can imagine that uh, because that's a totally new experience, being in a studio to record. It's a brand new thing in music and it means the world to me. And it's the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm not experiencing at, at all. So, yeah, it's... Yeah. I think it's motivating. I mean, you're just, you know, if we go back to 2019 with 170 open mic shows, we go, uh, you know, we go forward into the, into where you are today, where you, you have a single uh, that's almost ready to go. You've been writing the whole time. You've been in the studio for the first time. To me, it's just motivating because you have taken very concrete s steps, very clear steps towards bettering yourself as, as a musician. And and yeah. so many people talk, but you're doing. Big difference. Yeah. Big and difference. I, I, I talk as well, though. Um, well, that's okay to talk, but you talk while you do. You know, you are writing. Yeah. You know, you you have recorded yeah. this single. Uh, it's almost done with the mastering and mixing. You know, you're 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 moving on. You're moving along. I don't want to sit still. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to get to a point where I'm just not evolving in any way. Yeah. So I want to, now with the coronavirus thing, I can't play live. There's no, nowhere to play live. So what we did with Rock the Mic was we got in contact or the two guys, Tom and Eric, real great guys and one of my closest friends now, got in contact with another place in Oslo and we did like a, a real good live stream ah. um, and we or they contacted the artists that they've had on stage at Café Sur we had a three camera thing and uh, yeah professional cool and we, we didn't stop that's what I that's what I like we didn't like okay yeah. we didn't just take it as a break we we had to find we had to adapt and find a new way to actually do this and we did it and we're still we're continuing to do it. So that's just fantastic. I like I, I I like seeing that. I like seeing people doing, taking positive steps towards achieving whatever they want to achieve. And you're doing it. If I'm, I'd say I'm ambitious. Maybe too ambitious. No, no such thing as too ambitious. No such thing as too ambitious. Well, well, well uh, ambition, ambition with focus. 
and ambition with humility. You know, you, you can't get arrogant in that process, uh, but as long as you stay humble uh, and you stay focused, then ambition is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I believe that. I'll play, I'll, I'll, I'll play for everyone. I don't care if it's, I, I mean, doing those 170 gigs, there are gigs where I, I played for two people in a bar somewhere yeah. and there's two people sitting there and I'm playing my whole set and like there was mm. a room full of people cheering and having yeah. a and I played bigger shows where I've uh, opened up for artists that are more known than me where the crowds are actually there to see music and the crowds are bigger yeah so you kind of get the taste of like what it's going to be if i get there and that's that's a good feeling yeah i'm gonna work hard for that i'm gonna work hard for that there you go i'm working hard for that keep the vision man just keep the vision Yeah. yeah well listen i'm gonna cut this off right about now i have uh you know, we've talked for almost two hours now. We've That's talked for bad. about a minute and fifty, or an hour and fifty-five minutes, roughly. Wow! Yeah, so time flies. Have fun. Yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. I um, I support you, Frederick. Anything anything you ever need from my end, man, I'll I'll support you. I think you I think you have a future in music. I think you, likewise, likewise. I think you're going to achieve whatever you want to achieve in music. You've got the right vision. You've got the talent. Um, yeah, keep on marching on. That's very good to hear. That's very good to hear. I need people telling me that because it's not always easy to believe in yourself. But thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, I, listen, I look forward to seeing your your new stand up bits and everything when it, this whole thing is all over. I'll give you a holler next time I'm in Oslo. But I think um, the next time I perform anything in Oslo, it's going to be music. I'm going to yeah get up there with my. Uh, stupid little left-handed acoustic guitar and and uh huh? and see what i can do yeah that would be cool if we stand uh, next to each other and play together and the guitars pointing in different directions there you go yeah <laughs> aesthetically perfect and, and color coordinated you know the white guy and the yeah. black guy and then the, yeah. if i have a white guitar but you have a black guitar huh? oh <laughs> i'll uh, quit everything and just uh and just focus on that from now on all right Hey, work on some harmonies, man, and uh, sing each other's songs. <laughs> that would be great. That would yeah. be great. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, this gentleman is Frederick Waldman. He is a fantastic musician. Eventually, his single called Feels Like will be coming out. Uh, we love you, Frederick. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, this has been real fun. All right. Bye, everybody. I'm coming home. Oh.